Welcome back, everyone. Um, today, we're going to talk about the television series Warrior. For those who don't know, Warrior is based on the writings by none other than Bruce Lee. Originally, the show was going to be called Assam. And apparently, Assam was going to be blind. Side note, Bruce Lee was fascinated by samurai movies, specifically Zatoi Chi was a blind samurai. Bruce tried to pitch the show to Warner Brothers and Paramount, but was quickly turned down. Now, many people thought Bruce's ideas were stolen by Warner Brothers. Not true. Uh, because later, Warner Brothers produced the hit TV show Kung Fu, starring David Carradine. So uh, according to Fred Weintraub, the producer of Enter the Dragon, one of my favorite movies, and the author of Bruce Lee, A Life, Matthew Pauly, that Warner Brothers and the creator of Kung Fu, Ed Spillman, was already in development of the show before Bruce pitched Warrior to Warner Brothers. Uh, however, uh, Bruce did in fact try out for the role for Kwai Chen Kane, who's the lead character of Kung Fu, but obviously was turned down because of Bruce's ethnicity and unfortunately his accent. I don't understand if <laughs> you wanted a Chinese character to be played in a show, you should hire a Chinese actor. Anyway, uh, a little bit of the show's premise set during the Tong Wars in the late 1870s, San Francisco. The series follows Assam, martial artist prodigy who emigrates to China from China who is in search of his sister, but apparently when he gets there, he is sold to the most powerful tongs in Chinatown. Great story so far. So today's co-host is Brandon Arroyo. He is one of my training partners in Jikendo, and he also helps out at the Twist of Interception Institute of where I teach. Hello, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well. Hi. Hey. Hi, and how are things? <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. So, Warrior Season One. Uh, for anybody who has tuned into this episode, uh, this is more or less of a review of what we think of Season One. Uh, my plan is to have more episodes of uh, Season Two. I'm going to have them with uh, Brandon, but I felt that season one should be one good compact review. And when we do other episodes, we could do episode one of season two and then episode two of season two, so on and so forth. Um, that's my plan. So we could have a lot of episodes and we could talk about uh, what's going on within season two because of the fact that season three for Warrior has been picked up. So... In celebration of that, we're going to talk about Warrior, and uh, we'll talk about until season three comes in, and then we could talk about more Warrior when season <laughs> three episodes come out. So yep. that's good for us, right? All right. So uh, Warrior. Let's talk about the characters, uh, Brandon. Um, sure I'll thing. talk about the character Assam, which is played by Andrew Koji. Now, uh, I read before he got the part for Assam that he was actually going to quit, which was mm. very interesting. Really? Uh, apparently, he did not have any roles to play because he went for a role that he wanted to do. He wasn't cut out for it. So in Andrew Koji's case, uh, he felt that he was just going to quit altogether until mm. he tried out for the role for Assam for Warrior, and apparently he got it. When I also looked into uh, Andrew Koji's martial arts history, is that he used to compete in Taekwondo. And for the Warrior, he also trained in Wing Chun, which I unfortunately did not get to who he trained with, but that's how he portrayed his martial arts abilities in the series. Uh, during the series, I felt that his uh, acting ability was very solid. And uh, a lot of people uh, 
don't realize that he actually has uh, some sort of a British accent. He's not really American, right? Which is actually yeah. good because uh, he played a person who is Chinese and uh, also who has an American accent very well. Mm -hmm. So that's how much good of an actor Andrew Koji is. Uh, also, the way that he carried himself uh, in the series, he wasn't that type of lead character. Like, hey, here I am. I'm the lead character. He was more very cool. He was more uh, laid back, but then I felt that his action spoke louder than than the words that he was speaking, mm -hmm. because it's the way that he carried himself as the character of Assam. I believe Assam uh, was a martial arts prodigy uh, coming from China and <laughs> stirring up trouble in the San Francisco streets, fighting. <laughs> everybody uh, yeah. especially your favorite mm -hmm. actor joe toslin his character lee young lee young right mm -hmm. so tell me about uh lee young the joe toslin yeah so i mean i would say that my first experience with joe toslin um was with the raid redemption oh yeah um and then j just that whole <laughs> sort of visceral experience of watching that film as a martial artist and feeling like okay, well, this is really brutal. But then seeing Joe Tesla um, in that fight sequence with who I believe was Mad Dog at the time and just the, the flexibility and agility and all this other stuff right. um, really got me and brought me into being a fan of Joe Tesla. Um, and then I saw him in like a Fast and Furious movie, which, you know, unfortunately they brought him down to scale because it's Fast and Furious and Vin Diesel's Vin Diesel. <laughs> it's just like, wait, so know, he was in, in, in Fast and Furious? He was in Fast and Furious? Yeah, he, he was in Fast and Furious. It was oh, him and someone else. And they had a fight sequence with Ludacris and, um, oh. and uh, Tyrese Gibson. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just kind of like this sort of like, oh no moment for them. But um, I think everybody now outside of Warrior knows Joe Taslam as Sub-Zero. Oh yeah, of course. Yep. He is now the definitive version of Sub-Zero and I think the the one that most people were super excited to see. Yeah. I mean the kind of the reason why they were sort of brought to see Mortal Kombat. I mean outside of the franchise itself, right? Right. So Joe Taslam having experience in sort of wushu and taekwondo and judo um, mm -hmm. and then bringing him into the warrior series was I think a smart decision. Yeah. A really smart decision because the dude it's fast I, I believe that one of, uh, one of the actors um, uh, who played uh, Jax, I believe, in Mortal Kombat yeah, said yeah, yeah. that there were two people in the world that that was told to slow down because they were fast. One of them was Bruce mm -hmm. Lee and the second was Joe Taslin. Can you believe mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I've seen this guy <laughs> and he is fast. He's really good. He's very he agile. Is very precise mm -hmm. and the way that he's going he's going to become one of the biggest action stars that we'll yeah. ever see in our generation right yeah and he, he he's really good at selling the the performance art oh yeah of the martial arts aspect and i you know i saw an interview with him when he was discussing you know how he gets into it and he was explaining that that he's broken ribs and he's broken bones and like he knows what that feels like so when he has to portray it on screen he knows exactly what that feeling is. Yeah. So he knows how to portray it and how to sell it to the audience. Right. So having him play Lee Young in Warrior was super interesting to me because he takes the, you know, his character is relatively quiet. He's a, he's a quiet guy. And I think in Hollywood, that's very much the the stereotype for the, the Asian character in films. It's just like the Asian character is either the weird one, the quiet one, or the one in the back corner not saying a single thing. Or, you know, uh, sort of joining in in the politics of it all right right so you take joe tassel who's this this quiet character but as soon as you see him you know that his silence is backed up by his ability to fight right like his introduction is is so strong that it just sets you up for whatever he's going to do right entirely that, that's why i feel that andrew koji and joe tassel i feel that their action ability Mm -hmm. speaks louder than whatever they're doing 
Yep. Uh, even though that warrior is a martial arts based type of action, right? Mm -hmm. But their ability to fight and just no words spoken, and especially mm -hmm. when they're whenever they're acting, right? Now, like I've seen Andrew Koji just it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. not more of like explaining or having this big dialogue of talk, right? Mm -hmm. It was just more straight to the point, simple and direct, right? Yep. The way that Bruce's Jeet Kune Do is very simple and direct. And that's what I feel that uh, when Bruce Lee wrote the story is to have some sort of simplicity. Bruce was in an interview and he mentioned that a motion picture should be just motion not so much talk, just motion. And I mm -hmm. felt that maybe he translated it, that into his story for the warrior. And obviously mm -hmm. whatever story that we are seeing now, I'm sure that he didn't write that, but the writers based this story that we're watching was from Bruce's writings. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure they wrote something here, changed a little bit here. Uh, because if Assam was supposed to be blind in the earlier writings of uh, Bruce's writings, then it could make sense. But uh, having a blind Chinese character, I'm not sure it would fit well at during that time. But if if they filmed it now, shoot, I'll watch the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, especially mm -hmm. during the time where uh, there was not any Chinese lead actors or Spanish lead mm -hmm. actors or uh, majority of Hollywood was, you know, uh, Caucasian, why they wouldn't want to have these other ethnicities be bankable for movie production. They really missed out on a lot of great opportunities for making movies, for making TV, right? Of course they did. Of if, course they did. If Bruce actually got the role for Kung Fu, that would have been really different right? Mm -hmm. If Bruce would have had more, I know for sure, if people saw Bruce Lee as Kwai Chang Kane in Kung Fu, they would have had more seasons because uh, there was only three seasons of Kung Fu. They probably mm -hmm. would have at least to make it to five seasons, six seasons. The way that Bruce explodes in the picture mm -hmm. translate to the point where hey, this guy is special. This guy knows how to fight. And if he's going to bring that very subtle, very, you know, like what you said, you know, in the back, but you know he's the lead character, his his uh, action will speak louder than, you know, his words. Man, that would have been a great, would have been a great series to watch. But unfortunately, yeah. they went with the lather. So, uh, so Warrior is produced by Shannon Lee, and everybody knows who Shannon Lee is. She is the daughter of Bruce Lee, and the co-producer of Warrior is Justin Lin, one of the biggest directors and part of the biggest franchise of American cinema, The Fast and Furious. And Brandon, we've discussed this before, some of the cast of warrior was in parts of mm -hmm. the fast and furious uh movies as yep. you mentioned to uh, joe taslim and uh jason tobin who plays young june was in fast and furious 3 tokyo drift which i yep. purposely watched on and off but I'm <laughs> so did the rest of the nation <laughs> so did the rest of the nation not uh, uh not saying that tobin's acting ability was not recognized, but um, for me, after Fast and Furious 1 and 2, you lost me there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so speaking of uh, Tobin, Young June, uh, he is the son of Father June. Father June is Perry Young, and they are part of a Tong, which is a gangster group called the Hopway. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, during the 1870s, uh, they had this particular war called the Tong Wars, and they were a series of, of violent disputes among the Chinese factions or gangster factions. 
in the Chinatowns of various American cities, specifically in San Francisco. That's why uh, San Francisco is based in the warrior during that time. And uh, mm -hmm. when uh, Andrew Kogi's character, Assam, arrives to the US, automatically he is <laughs> placed into a tong, halfway, yeah. right automatically. Yeah. Now, how did that happen? Apparently, when he got out of the boat from China to America, apparently he was picked on by three immigration officers. Mm -hmm. And just to let everybody know, Warrior is racially driven, mm -hmm. right? Because during that time, uh, there was, in, in the Warrior, it was more of the Irish versus the Chinese. Now they were seeing that the Chinese were taking away all of the American people's jobs at half the price. And the people who were American, who, you know, that I saw majority of the show was Irishmen, didn't like that. So they were attacking Chinese citizens and violence erupted. So that's in and out of what warrior is. And, you know, every few episodes, they always bring up the topic of, you know, the Chinese are not supposed to be here. The Chinese uh, look at how, you know, they dress, they smell, they bring diseases. And it, it's, that's all throughout the, the, uh, the series. Mm -hmm. And it's not so different the way it is now. Um, unfortunately, no, there is the uh, anti-Asian violence that's going around at this time. What this series brings the most out of the message is that uh, Chinese are human beings. You know, they came here to have a better opportunity. Some came here without a choice. Some came here to escape China. And then it's just, they happen to be here working, but just minding their own business until other ethnicities felt that they were taking jobs away or they felt that they were being a threat. And if you, if you, even if you were to like, look at the, the character of Chow, yeah. right? the um, black market salesman, there's a particular point within the season where he pulls near the end of the season where he pulls Asama aside um, and he lets him know, um, this is after like the sort of fall of Assam um, where he pulls him aside and, and he's letting him know that, that he's not a coolie, that like that Chow himself didn't have a choice that he was right. brought in with the slave trade and that he recognized that he wasn't a slave. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that like the Chinese were also servants and slaves at a particular point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's often forgotten in history. Um, I mean, like within the Caribbean islands themselves, you had Asian servants and, and slaves sort of for like the higher capitalist right. uh, people who were obviously having the African-American slaves working fields, but you had like the Chinese slaves working inside um, being servants yeah inside and then you think about like the italian and irish coming to this melting pot called america and they're already sort of um put down and and have having prejudices thrown at them so it's like it's it's kind of like uh a drop effect where or, or like a mirroring effect where that that anti-irish sentiment is being brought over to the anti-chinese sentiment um and in a way, it's all a reflection of the disadvantages that were there. So like when you see characters like Leary, mm -hmm. um, who have issues with like characters like Assam or Young June or just like the whole world of Warrior, you start to recognize that it's very much an American story, yeah. but like the Chinese experience in America. Yes. Yeah, so Leary, played by Dean Jagger. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a protagonist and antagonist character. Because there are times when you feel like he's right or whatever he's saying, but then he's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you kind of want to feel where he's coming from, but then whatever he's doing to the Chinese community and what he's actually also doing to his own countrymen. Uh, remember the time when 
uh, he had to help Bill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. When he had to help Bill with his uh, gambling addiction, and he had mm-hmm. to uh, beat up the, I guess, the collector, who was an mm-hmm. Irishman. Mm-hmm. And beat and uh, Leary had to beat him up because apparently the collector was working for another Tong called the Feng Hai. Mm-hmm. And Leary thought that it was very disrespectful to the Irish community or to his race that he had, that this collector had to work for the Chinese who he hates so much. Whenever uh, like I see this guy fight, you know, I'm always a person who likes action. You know, he's mm-hmm. very brutish. He, you know, he does the one-two type of punch, you know, and especially has, uh, there, there was episodes uh, where he has his own uh, back alley ring where he just fights and, you know, and I feel like he's just testing out his abilities and he's taking out his aggression and his anger on his opponents, which is really interesting. But then, yeah. damn, man, I like this guy and I hate this guy at the same time, man. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's really weird, but then he plays the character very well. You know, kudos mm-hmm. to uh, Dean Jagger for that, right? Yeah. Uh, and speaking about Bill O'Hara, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Kieran Boo. Now, yeah. uh, very quickly, even though Warriors based on Assam, you know, they have uh, backstories. They'll go back and forth with other characters of the, of the episodes or of the, of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill O'Hara is uh, a police officer who was just assigned to the Chinatown district, which he doesn't want to <laughs> because uh, like everybody else in San Francisco who are not Chinese, hate the Chinese. Mm-hmm. So, and also another character of Lee, Richard Henry Lee, who was played by Tom Weston Jones, who I felt that was a really good balance of the character that he played yeah, because he is not more of what everybody else is in San Francisco who doesn't like Asians, but he's more of an actual true police officer who doesn't see any type of color lines, who doesn't see if you're Chinese or an Irishman. And in fact, that uh, Lee, the character, is not even from San Francisco. Yeah, I believe he's, he's from the Southern South. boy. Southern mm-hmm. boy. He, now he's worked with uh, Bill O'Hara in the San Francisco Chinatown uh, district. Yeah. And uh, the contrast between Bill and Lee is more, not more of like a buddy cop type thing. It's more of a, a yin, yin and yang, which I really thought I saw. I don't know about you. Mm-hmm. But I see where no, Bill, I did. I did. yeah, where Bill is always, because uh, racism is always going to be bad. It's always going to mm-hmm. be bad. I mean, uh, where Bill is always, you know, putting down than the Chinese, like the everybody else who thinks in San Francisco who's not Chinese. But then he's also a cop that, you know, who just wants to just do his job, but to the point where like, listen, let me work my shift and be out. He does actually actually doesn't care about being a police officer. Mm-hmm. All right, because he's more into gambling. And that's what they showed in the episodes episodes per, uh, plural that he's an excessive uh, a gambling person or he's very excessive of gambling wasting mm-hmm. money and that's why he helped or, or that's why he called upon Leary to help him with the person who is trying to collect money from him so uh, I think but, what's uh, what's really interesting about the the Lee O'Hara dichotomy is sort of how you're saying about the yin yang yeah is that like lee as a character is very much the pragmatic conscientious boy scout yeah and then you have o'hara who's this um sort of weathered um father of i think five kids uh trying to like keep everything together and he it's funny because he was wrongfully assigned the the chinatown beat like he wanted to get out like his goal is to get out but then he's always drawn back in and it's kind of it's interesting to see how like you have this character who's from the sort of confederate south who um, has uh, thoughts outside of that um, and how how the O'Hara character imposes the confederate confederate south ideology onto Lee and it takes this kind of like journey where they both start to see each other as human beings and understanding that human beings are flawed yeah um 
and that like O'Hara is really doing what he's doing to make sure that his family is okay. Yeah. And like, he has those views that are like questionable, but then at the same time, um, he always pulls through to make sure um, that people are okay. In particular, um, with when, when it comes to Lee Young and, and Assam in the, in that pit yes. where he recognizes like, okay, Assam, who we know um, and recognizes as like a, a kind of friend um, is in danger and in need of help. Um, and it's just like, you see that character growth and it's, I think it's phenomenal. I think the writing on the show is just great. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with, uh, uh Lee. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks like he's the only one doing police work, actual police work. Whenever, when anything happens, he's always analyzing. And, uh, there are a couple episodes where there's dead bodies on the floor and he's analyzing the dead bodies. And there was asking, what are you doing? It's like, I'm doing police work. And it's kind of interesting too, because it seems like all the police officers in that show just 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 there just you know like i'm just doing my shift i don't care really what happens i'm just here from wherever the beginning of my shift to the end of my shift and that's it and it seems like yeah lee is the only one doing actual police work he's actually looking especially that uh when uh the, the attempted assassination of uh, father june he's actually looking at the map like okay this is where the hopway is and this is where mm -hmm. the long z is but whoever set off that uh that explosive to kill or attempted to kill uh father june ran this way and that's towards the feng hai and then it and then bill is like these are just chinese people chinese people just run away or all this other stuff and it's just like mm -hmm. you're kind of like damn bill listen to, <laughs> yeah, listen yeah, to yeah. Lee, man. He, he knows what he's talking about. He, yeah. He's like the commanding officer there. And then Lee is like, okay, well, you know, with Lee's character, he tries to make sure that Bill is aware of what's going on with uh, the police investigation and aware of what he's actually really doing. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about Bill and Lee's, um, they're, the way that they interact with each other, they're more becoming like brothers especially with Lee, he's trying to, when he's, when he sees Bill take money from a toy or when he sees Bill doing all this other stuff a meeting with Larry, Lee's more concerned of, I don't want Bill to get in trouble. So I'm trying to see if I could get him out of that trouble or just remind him, listen, this is wrong. Uh, Lee's more of Bill's conscious other than Bill O'Hara's partner of being mm -hmm. a police officer. You know, I felt yeah. that that dynamic of each other, a yin and yang, even though it's more yang, more yang, whichever. But I felt that their interaction with each other was just really interesting, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk about the tongs, Hopway, yeah. and the Long Z. I don't know if anybody knows, in the Long Z, Long Z himself is played by Henry Yuck. Now, I don't know if anybody knows that Henry Yuck was in The Last Dragon. I don't know if anybody who's seen The Last Dragon, but Last Dragon was a martial arts movie in the 80s, uh, played by Tai Mok. Uh, tai Mok, uh, very quickly, is a martial artist and he plays a character called Bruce Leroy Green. Or actually, it's Leroy Green because uh, his nickname was Bruce Leroy. There we go. I got that down. All right. So, um, in The Last Dragon, there were three Chinese characters who was in charge of a fortune cookie company, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Bruce Leroy walks down trying to find the master and Bruce Leroy felt that the master was in this fortune cookie factory. Uh, so he asked the three Chinese characters and one of them was Henry Yuck and uh, <laughs> they played not Chinese character, more of a stereotypical uh, hip hop uh, slang, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Because you would never think that the way that they were talking, they were Chinese. But uh, that's a little quick trivia there for you guys. So um, in The Long Z, played by Henry Yuck, he apparently is one but a Tong boss. Right, and in the Hopway, Father June, who is played by Perry Young, uh, also another Tong boss, and they're not actually in war with each other, 
they're more of, hey, listen, you stay on your side. I stay on my side. You distribute whatever you want. I distribute this particular thing, and we just keep it that way. However, mm -hmm. unfortunately, things like that never is going to be at peace because of the fact that there is Long Z's female company, uh, My Ling, who was played by Diane Doan. I'm saying that right. And within the series, my Ling is actually Assam's sister. Is the reason why Assam came to America to look for. In the beginning, uh, Assam finds out that my Ling is the female companion for Long Z and tries to persuade her to go back to China. And my Ling, unfortunately, says no. So I think the, I think the storyline was that Assam had um, disrespected this warlord and in order to save Assam from being killed, um, Mai Ling, had or to Mai Nona, Zhou Xing, married him. Oh, you know yeah. what? Uh, he was actually explaining uh, this to uh, Penny. So uh, the story is with Mai Ling. Uh, Assam actually fought the warlord's son and the warlord's son got killed and was by accident because Assam actually punched him and he said he didn't punch him that hard, fell back, hit his head, never came back up and he died. And unfortunately he found out that son was a son of a warlord. The warlords was going to kill him. And in exchange for the warlord not killing him, that uh, he would have to marry Assam's sister in order for him to not to get killed. And Assam's sister, Mei Ling, uh, regretted that every day until she escaped to America. So Mai Ling was actually a conspirator of going against the peace between the Hapway and the Long Zi because of the fact that she knew that Long Zi was to the point where he wanted to not be a Tong boss anymore. Mm -hmm. And Mai Ling felt like, you know what, I'm going to take over. She took... <laughs> Long Z out, and now she is the boss of the Long Z. So with that in turn, uh, with any type of dr uh, drug trade, uh, I believe opium was involved. Mm -hmm. uh, they apparently had to talk to the Hopway to see who can control some sort of trade. And one of my favorite episodes was that the Hopway agreed to have some sort of tournament to see who would be in charge of that trade. And that would be episode nine, Chinese boxing. And our favorite character, uh, Lee Young, was going to go against Assam from the Hopway. The reason why is that my favorite episode? Because that, mo that whole episode is just martial arts action. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they were into the pit. Right. This is one great martial arts uh, fighting choreography that I've seen in a very long time, especially when I see uh, Joe Taslin getting in it. Then I always and I'm always thinking that, damn, you know, Andrew Koji, he's kind of tall. You know what I mean? I don't know if you noticed mm -hmm. that. And it's just like, yeah. like all the time that he he fights, he kind of lowers himself down, you know, and then I'm like, maybe it's a camera angle that I'm looking at. But like it seemed like um, Andrew Koji is a pretty tall dude. You know, but yeah. again, great fighting sequences. You know, you would think that, you know, that he was going to win, but then obviously he did not. Mei Ling wanted Li Young to kill Assam, and it didn't happen until I believe Li and Bill O'Hara saw what was going on and stopped the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So they left Assam bleeding, broken, and Atoy, who's in charge of the whorehouse there, took him in and brought him back to health, mm -hmm. right? which they had a good sequence in the next episode of uh, Assam's childhood and how he became a martial arts prodigy. I believe James Liu was uh, the actor who played Assam's martial arts, uh, Sifu. And Sifu means uh, teacher in Chinese. And I felt that, that with that uh, sequence of going back into Assam's um, past was actually really good because we don't really know who uh, Assam really is, especially with his past. And in this sequence is where he um, uh, learns martial arts. It was because of Mai Ling that Assam got to do martial arts. 
because she mm -hmm. sought out the Sifu and the Sifu came to Assam and then the teacher taught Assam. So in a way, it was my Ling's idea to have Assam to learn martial arts because uh, apparently Assam was getting beat up um, yep. in his hometown. So Sounds uh, very, very much like somebody um, named Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was now, you know what? That, that's actually a, a good thing that you brought that up, Brandon, because uh, uh, you and I discussed this, that we see a lot of Bruce Lee in these series, um, mm -hmm. in these episodes. Uh, yeah. Apparently also uh, like characters Bolo, right? Played by Richard Ting. Bolo mm -hmm. is actually a name from a character of Enter the Dragon, right? And Mai yep. Ling. Mai Ling is the name of a character in Enter the Dragon. And O'Hara. And O'Hara. See, all... And, it's, and I'm, I'm actually glad because uh, the essence of Bruce is seen throughout all these uh, characters, right? And then, um, and I also discussed this with you too, before uh, in the first episode, Assam, when he's getting picked on by the three immigration officers and he had to fight them, <laughs> Assam had to do the famous Bruce Lee pose, which I thought was unnecessary, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to, they want people to recognize this is a Bruce Lee story. Yeah. So, well, and I think, I think what's really good is that like they, they, they walked a fine line, right? It's like Andrew Koji, Andrew Koji is not impersonating Bruce Lee. He, he's he's right. paying forward a spiritual homage right. to Bruce Lee, which is why like the, the symbolic pose feels a little off kilter because we already know that like spiritually, it's the essence of Bruce Lee. And, and if we want to talk about writing, we could talk about the cold open of that first episode where in its depiction is literally the, the path that Bruce Lee was walking about somebody coming to America who sees that his people are being disgraced right. um, and like treated like animals who then stands up for himself and finds himself uh, in a position where he knows that the ongoing battle forward is going to be a struggle. Same thing. It's the same thing with Bruce coming and, and trying to make his name within Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like when the, when the, when the one guy falls on the floor and he drops his food and, and, and uh, Assam is like, what are you doing? Right. Like, don't eat that. Um, and then that's when he like starts to realize, okay, my people aren't treated like people, they're treated like bodies. Yep. Um, and like that selling point for me was where I was like, okay, outside of Shannon Lee, they understand Bruce um, and they understand what Bruce was trying to do. So seeing Andrew Koji give this sort of spir spiritual homage and embodiment to Bruce Lee, right. um, it was super super respectful um also like the character of assam is very much the everyman character um that we can all fit into and like because yeah. he, he he speaks fact he's not he's yeah. not there to like play games he, he's speaking fact and i think what's really cool about that is just like he has the cocky sort of confidence um that's also very humble at times that we as people wish we had um so it's like when he does bring on that that, that spirit of bruce mm -hmm. um you're like Okay, cool. And I'm gonna sit back and yeah. like, partake because he's been going through a lot. So, well, yeah. so, with the with the stance, it's just you know, for me, I I couldn't get get behind it, but like mm -hmm. I was discussing yeah. before, it's just it, he kind of actually got away from it towards the mm -hmm. end uh, of the season, the first season, because I felt like okay, like I said before, you're paying homage to Bruce. I get it, mm -hmm. you know, and I felt like doing. The stance is just like it wasn't. It, I felt like they were trying to uh, forcefully make you say, "Hey, this is a Bruce Lee episode," or "No, this is a Bruce Lee type of character." But mm -hmm. even if you're gonna do that, you didn't really have to put the the the, the pose. Yeah. The way that Andrew Koji uh, portrayed himself is more is actually a different type of character of what Bruce of who Bruce is. Right, mm -hmm. but obviously uh, Assam and Bruce—they're not the same people. So not, I'm all. just trying to—I'm uh, trying to understand why they had to put that there, but understand in your position where hey, this is something that you have to recognize. 
This is something mm -hmm. that even though you don't know who Bruce Lee is, this is where you're going to find it because Bruce yeah. Lee created this universe mm -hmm. in order for us to watch it. I understand that. Especially my other favorite episode, uh, episode 10 is the last episode of the season. And it's called, uh, if you're going to bow, bow low is where he had the warehouse fight. Yep. Leary. Yep. Holy shit. Now, mm -hmm. uh, in contrast with the fight he had with uh, Lee Young and the fight he had with Leary are two different things, which mm -hmm. I always uh, try to tell people that I always saw that, that that tournament was more like a UFC fight. Mm -hmm. But even though they're trying to kill each other, right? But then the fight in the warehouse is more of a street fight where he's using everything. He pushed this dude in front of a, a iron beam and and he's mm -hmm, using all mm -hmm. this chains and stuff like that's like more of a survival type of thing because yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know the chinese workers were being attacked by the irishman mm -hmm. and Assam had to step in and say this is wrong mm -hmm. and then especially when leary comes in they had that split second of a fight and then leary respected Assam because of the fact that Okay, I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you later because the police mm -hmm. came. I'm going to see you yeah. later. And you know that 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 tension, like he, he respected that his uh, Assam's martial arts ability. Yep. The fact that, okay, this is no quote-unquote coolie that, you know, I can just, you know, wipe away. Like this, mm -hmm. I got to work hard for this because if I see him again, I'm going to kill him. That's, that's what I saw. I'm like, oh, man, I love how they ended this episode. How about this? Tell me your favorite episode. Uh, my favorite episode would have to be episode five, uh, titled "The Blood in the Shit." <laughs> <And then, laughs> it's the it's the one it's the one where they're trapped in a saloon um, with uh, a body full of uh, I think it's gold that yep, gold. Father yep. June had young young June and Assam pick up, and there's a, an outlaw who comes into the saloon trying to steal that gold mm -hmm. and and it's kind of like assam young june um the owners of the saloon um a couple other characters yeah, and like two a couple passengers and the priest yeah yeah, yeah 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 and it's just like if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna die we're gonna die here doing this this yeah, thing right. we're gonna we're gonna fight and it's like for me that was my favorite episode because it, it just first of all, it felt like its own complete thing. Like outside of the series itself, if you were to throw me in there, it's like, I'm already there. I'm like super with it. Um, but just the, 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 the episode itself in terms of the, the, the Western sort of iconography of it, the, the way it opens with um, uh, Assam and Young June in the carriage listening <laughs> to these people like <laughs> talk about them. And like yeah. Assam is like, I understand everything that's happening. Yeah, that's, and that's it's the... just like this sort of, that's the time when uh, yeah, it's a young just... a young dude said, "You know how to speak duck," and then it's just like, <laughs> yeah. "I'll explain that later." I'll explain that later. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like that's the the one moment where he he like unveils that he can speak uh, English fluently, and right. um, just that episode in general just felt super on point. Right, you have like like I said, the Western iconography. You have the the martial arts with it. You have also the the hip hop score that comes yes. with it. That's sort of tied throughout warrior in general yeah but like, especially the end credits yeah yeah so yeah. that that whole episode felt so contained and um very much reminds me of like man i wish this was a whole movie that i could watch on the screen because it's yeah. just so good yeah. yeah of the way that uh, uh especially at the um, towards the end of that episode when the outlaw comes back mm -hmm. and he has his friend with him and then assam is by himself and then like you know something's up you know something's up. Yeah. You know, and then he told the outlaw, um, I just want to negotiate. And that was like, there's no negotiation here. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. It's like, yeah, you know, like I just, you know, my negotiation is I'm going to take your horses and we're going to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. outlaw was like, no, you're not. It's like, oh, because, you know, it's like, it, it's, I'm giving you an opportunity for me not to kill you. And they're laughing. And then yeah. the only thing that I'm really disappointed was is just the fact that um, Assam killed the outlaw first. He ripped his mm -hmm. throat out. 
And then he just went after his boys. I'm like, man, if he just left him for the last fight, yeah, yeah, then yeah that yeah. would have been epic. But I guess you know what? Go for the biggest dude, knock him out, and then the rest should be easy to do. Which was because you had the shootouts, mm-hmm. right? And then you had at the end you had the priests shooting that one yeah. last dude, and then you had Young June going over the place with the uh, with the knives and. You know, he's trying to grab the gun and all this other stuff, which I, it was actually, you know, really good, really great episode. And I don't know yeah. if you know this, um, at the end of that episode, um, before they uh, rode off, not into the sunset, but, you know, rode off to go to uh, to the next town or go back to San Francisco, they put uh, like cowboys hats on, right? I don't know if mm-hmm. you noticed that that type of hat that uh, Assam was wearing was kind of like the hat that Kwai Chen Kane was wearing in Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to like, think I'm like, ah, I get it. Yep. That, yeah, what which, if, which is like, could have been, you know? Yeah, it's, it's cool because I, you know, when that moment did happen, I did smile to myself because I was just like, now it feels like the wish was fulfilled. Like yeah. the, the, the pursuit was fulfilled. And it's, it, it brought me back to like, you know, what, what could have been if Bruce Lee was in a Western film. Like how cool yeah. would that have been? Um, and like just seeing them right off, I was just like, it, this is this whole episode is 100% the hero's journey. Um, oh, yeah. And um, it reminded me of like, obviously the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, Zorro even, um, like all these other things. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it just a fantastic episode, hands down. Um, <laughs> yeah. When we discussed about before uh, seeing Bruce's essence in these, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, episodes uh we forgot to mention the uh, interaction between penny blake and assam mm-hmm. uh penny blake is played by uh joanna vanderham joanna right and uh if anybody knows the history of bruce bruce married an american girl who's caucasian linda lee and now linda lee cadwell uh so they had that interesting relationship as a white caucasian woman uh, Penny Blake interacting with Assam, Chinese. And in the beginning of the episodes, they first talk and then, you know, they get together, all this other stuff. And then, you know, they stop being with each other. However, that, that dynamic of the way they interacted is uh, an homage to Bruce and Linda, which I thought mm-hmm. was... Uh, really interesting um but everybody uh also forgets to mention the interaction between assam and um o'hara or bill because originally um in bruce's writings that uh assam and bill were supposed to be uh like not best friends but more of how lee and bill are supposed to be Mm-hmm. So um, I never read anything about Lee's character, but I believe Lee was probably most likely written by other writers to add in for Bill's mm-hmm. interaction with. But uh, originally it was supposed to be uh, Assam and Bill, more of that, that have, having a relationship where, you know, uh, you know, probably more of a medium of getting into where the, uh, the non-Chinese area is and then, and having inside a uh, uh, scoop of, of of the tongs, and I and I felt that that was that would have been a great uh, interaction. It really would have been um, just thinking about Bruce Lee in general. It really would have been the Green Hornet, Potato yeah. um, sort of stepping stone that Bruce was really looking for. I mean, he was really looking for equality with Cato's character, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, I feel like everybody says this, but like when they watched the Green Hornet, they watched. The Green Hornet for Bruce playing Cato. Absolutely. Um, and it's like, I think that dynamic, if it were to be fully realized in that sense with the Salmon O'Hara would have been great. Um, and I think it definitely would have tied into what Bruce was trying to achieve. Um, is that like sense of equality and, and uh, partnership. Now, yeah. for you being in the film industry, mm-hmm. to cinematography, the acting, uh, mm-hmm. the characters your thoughts on that like how how, how do you feel that this was portrayed uh yeah. cinematic wise so i think um 
off the off the jump a little bit like with the first episode i recognized the the, the choices with camera um and they did this really interesting thing where it's like if you want to be in the perspective of the character's mind a little bit they they shot it um in a certain way i'm not sure if it was the shutter speed or just in general like the the lens that they used but they shot it in a, in a way that was so distinct from the way the rest of the show was shot right. where it's like if you were in Assam's head you can tell that there was a very particular moment where the director was like or, or the showrunner was like okay we're gonna make sure this stands out and i don't know how to describe the camera movement with that one but um when you watch the show you'll start to pick up on the things where it's just like okay they're making a choice with this camera and like Overall, I think like the beautiful sweeping shots and like the the tracking shots and all this other stuff really set up the world. Um, what I did like was that that they didn't focus solely on close-ups with the martial arts scenes because mm. um, they, they you know Hollywood has a tendency to sort of just like cut and then like be really close because yeah. they're assuming that the the audience will just pick up on the action. Um, take in three, not throwing any judgment, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, I, I think when you start to look at like Wu Shao cinema and like how wide the shots are, right. because the, the performing artists are, they know what they're doing. And it's just like, you have to trust it. So when you see Andrew Koji or Joe Taslam or even um, um, the Joe young June. June character sort of like doing their thing, they let us stay with it. And they, they hold out on certain moments a little bit longer because they want you to feel that impact. Mm -hmm. Like when young June has this whole like, bloodthirsty mm. scene with his knives yeah and you're just like okay cool this is his character and we're seeing this um and like just all that stuff like kudos to them for allowing the camera to do its thing in terms of the performances um i think the performances are fantastic for what it is you know yeah. like i think um i think they they made smart decisions i think the smartest decision they've done which is something i haven't actually seen which is new to me was the, the the language shifts that they would do mm. when like Assam was talking to Young June um, in their native tongue, and then oh, the camera would switch, yeah. and then Assam would be talking to to like O'Hara in English, um, and it's just like playing with how we see the perspective, and then the, yeah. the choice of subtitles, like um, it it brings it back to this um, one quote that. I read somewhere um, where I think it was an actress where she was, she was just speaking she's Latina and she was talking about how um, she says, I wish people could see how intelligent I was when I, when I'm speaking my native tongue. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you take that perspective and you bring it to warrior and you're like, okay, so the people who speak English only see their Asian counterparts speaking in this broken language, but then you switch it and you're like, yo yeah. <laughs> there's this like this is whole world and i think it's like the way they they rotated around characters to right. sort of build that that universe is was beautifully done for sure um because you know people in america tend to be lazy and they don't want to read subtitles and <laughs> you miss all this great this great content and art because right. you just don't want to read and i think it was a really smart balance mm -hmm. for sure <clears throat> uh what i thought also that's interesting with uh what you said is just that um with Andrew Koji or Assam, he didn't really have to, they don't really have to switch all the time that he was speaking. There yeah, were times yeah, when yeah. he did speak in Cantonese. There was, there was times, mm -hmm. but then not so much. But then it's just like he could speak English on both sides of the spectrum, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, unfortunately, I'm not one of the lady, lazy people in America. I do like to read <laughs> subtitles. Yeah, yeah, even, yeah. Even if it's in English, I just put the subtitles on and read it. Mm -hmm. uh, any particular character besides Joe Taslim, mm -hmm. you thought that was a pretty good character to uh, follow? I would say, so I, I definitely had an interest in Young June. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it's tied a little bit with my interest in Miri as a character. Okay. I think I think if I, if I really had to choose my, my interest, I was definitely... I was very much entertained by Young June, um, but I had so many questions about Leary mm -hmm. um, as a character, just like where it was going to progress because the way they way they wrote 
Leary's character sets him up for something bigger. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, we also just as martial artists, we know that you have Chinese boxing and then you have boxing and it's just like, okay, well, we've seen, we've seen Wing Chun versus boxing with mm. Yip Man, whatever, with Tyson and, and, and Donnie. And <laughs> that, like, that was actually real. And it's you like, know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred, you know, a hundred percent. percent real. Factual. Uh, and I think it, I think it's always interesting to see the two. It's like when you're, when you're playing Tekken and you have Steven the boxer versus mm-hmm. um, Law. The, yeah. the the jig the bruce lee inspired yeah, character law, martial law, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh so like seeing leary bring on the sort of irish boxing world um and just like his his role and everything was super mm-hmm. interesting because he's 1000 percent a man of his people oh yeah um, and so was assam but it just took assam this whole journey past trying to find mei ling to recognize like if i want to protect my people i have to be with the hopway mm-hmm. and it's like that to me was super interesting. Young June as a character is just like overall great to see. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like that's a it's a dead giveaway. I feel like everybody likes Young yeah. June. Um, I, yeah, I, I believe that everybody likes Young June because of the fact that he, his character pops out. You know, mm-hmm. like like whenever he says something, especially when he's talking, even in even in Cantonese and even you know the Amer- the American side of it, like it's just like it. He's very uh, explicit. And that's what attracts yeah. everybody. That's what attracts everybody to him because you know, you know, sticky and he's like you know onion and you know, all this stuff like that. And it's like oh, you speak duck and and in the way that he portrays himself, um, it's actually opposite of Assam because Assam is more laid back, right? He's very direct. He's very simple. Where Young June, he's more very emotional, mm-hmm. right? He says all these words because you know he disagrees with father june is doing you know he disagrees of what the long z is doing and you know he's kind of like he's making himself be uh as the, the for the character he's trying to make himself be like listen like i know my shit mm-hmm. too you know like uh you know the the way that they're doing it it's wrong we should mm-hmm. be doing it this way uh even mm-hmm. though that he his father you know father june makes sense of what you know he's trying to do with the hopway Young Jun is like, listen, that's old. We have to do something new. This is, listen mm-hmm. to what I have also ideas. Listen to my ideas too. You know, yeah. I mean, oh, obviously yeah. Father Jun is like, listen, you're my son. You don't know shit. You know, you're just glad that you're in the hop way. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. with Young Jun, he's trying to prove something mm-hmm. to himself, you know? I mean, when we discuss about uh, season two, uh, later on on our uh, podcast episode, but within this season one, you know, you see Young Jun trying to be, uh, is, is slowly rising to power. Because mm-hmm. after uh, the assassination attempt from Father Father Jun, you see temporarily Young Jun step up. Like, mm-hmm. listen, and then he's, you know, he's telling the council of what they need to do. And the council's like, mm-hmm. oh, Father Jun won't approve of this. You know, it's more of an emotional response. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. And even Bolo stood up. Asan is like, we have to show these mother uppers that they can't be doing this to us. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it was somebody else. They're the ones who brought this uh, brought this war to us. And even yeah. uh, uh, even um, young young June is like, uh, the, the war already started. They brought mm-hmm. it to us. They started it. Yeah. So I mean, you can see uh, young June rise to power at the point where like okay my father is temporary you know in the dispose i'm stepping up when assam bolo and young june went to the fungi territory all better off that was <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, of, yeah one of the craziest fight scenes at, um that i've seen in that episode and then the funniest thing is when young june took out the gun and shot one of the fungi after all of that fighting, and Asam was like, "You had that whole, you had that thing that whole time." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like you know, a bit humor in, in, in that episode. But then, uh, for like I said, with uh, uh, one of the characters that I, I was really invested in was Young Jun, and mm-hmm. even people don't see it, I was actually invested in Mai Ling, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, she... of, the, of the brother and sister a dynamic that mm-hmm. uh, Asam and Mai Ling had. Um, you have to see that also uh, the rise to power of Mai Ling, 
because she obviously was, you know, Long Z's female companion until she killed him. Mm-hmm. Right? And now she became the Tong boss. And now, you know, from that rise to power, she's trying to take over everything because of the fact that she doesn't want to be that farm girl that Assam always remembered her as. I was going to say that, like, I think what's really interesting about the Miley and Assam dynamic is like they are siblings and they are in this war. And, and right. it's kind of funny that like in each sort of step and turn outside of the tongs, they're still trying to protect each other yeah. until it gets to a point where like it becomes personal yeah. um, between the two. And I think what really tips off the sense that like Myling and Assam are starting to build further strife between each other are there are some moments where you have Joe Taslim's Lee Young and there are cutaways to him. He's starting to, to question my Ling a little bit. And you're like, okay, so he's having some difficulty with like yeah. <laughs> staying staying true to my Ling because there are some actions that she's taking that are like questionable. A little bit questionable. Sure. Like the 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 one where um, you know, and I knew this was coming just from a writing perspective, but like with the the handgun. And I was like, I knew, I knew, I knew it was coming because it was set up already. But I was, and like you see, like the the Lee Young character, like question this because this is not something he knew. Right. Like he didn't know this. Like what other things? So it's just like there's just so much going on. Right. There's so much going on. Well, that's why you know everything is being set up for season two for the first season. Mm-hmm. But people don't also know that um, season one and season two were filmed back to back. So it's not yeah. like, it's not like, uh, you know, oh, they renewed season two. I'm like, season two was already filmed, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, what everybody was actually waiting on, because apparently uh, Warrior was more of a, a, a Cinemax original. And then uh, what happened this year, HBO Max acquired the Warrior to mm-hmm. their uh, roster. So now, after that, Warrior Season 3 was approved since we've been waiting for a long time for Season 3 because Season 1 for Warrior, great season. Season 2, Warrior, oof. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was (laughs) like, you know what? Season 3 has to come. We need Season 3. And you know what? It's here. So we are at the end of the podcast where we do the last words. And Brandon, since you mm-hmm. are the co-host of this podcast, do you have any last words? Um, I do. I do have some last words. Well, I have two last words. I think the first last word <laughs> that I'm going to say um, is in relationship to my own sort of career with Giant Island. Um, ah. the, it's a film production company and developing studio that promotes stories of inclusivity um, focused on narratives that aren't normally seen or typically seen uh, and range from you know worlds of drama fantasy thriller kids stories in general and it's really about promoting um acceptability um and relationship like the idea behind giant island is to bring people together and have people share conversations just like we're doing now about content that they can relate to or um, stories that they can see themselves in so that's giant island in a nutshell (laughs) <laughs> um, and then I think my, my, my last, last word is about mental health. Um, I think, I think it's important for, for people to understand that it's important for you as a person, even if you're feeling like nobody's listening to understand that there are always people listening, um, that there's no shame in, in seeking conversation or, or that comfort of opening up and, and talking to people. Um, it's really tough to do it on your own. So always push forward and make sure that you find that comfort in yourself to reach out to people. Great. So, um, Brandon, how can people reach you? My personal Instagram is my first, middle, and last name, Brandon Hugo Royal. Um, and then my film page is giant underscore island. Um, for Instagram purposes, you can reach me on Instagram. My uh, DMs are always open, <laughs> and I'm always <laughs> willing to, to talk to people about uh, movies, uh, future projects, and anything that really is on their mind. So Brandon, how long have you been training in Jeet Do for? So I started in, I believe, 2011. And I went until 
2013 with Sifu Richard Torres, uh, our Sifu. And, um, you know, because of college, I had to step away um, and I've been training on my own mm-hmm. for a while there. Um, and then I just got back into it this past December, January with you. Um, but it kind of feels like I've been training for a very long time, both not physically, but also in the spiritual side of JKD um, and like finding that that wholeness and that unity and that sense of becoming one uh, in totality. And I would say maybe like three years of like full rigorous training. And then the rest of that was kind of just like finding myself and training on my own and educating and, and just learning from that, that process. All right, guys. So uh, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. All right. You think because you speak American, you can talk shit to me? Well, you have to admit it helps. Somebody chink needs to learn his place. You think you can take me on? That's the wrong question. Oh, yeah? What's the right one? The right question is, do you really want to find out?